Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Monday, March 29th, 2021. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta. Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Weekend Editor, Brad Ullman. Hey, that's me. And writer, Hawaii Trend Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, let's, uh, let's start with some news that hit today. There's some interesting casting for Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, tell us about it, Chris. Uh, it's Russell Crowe is going to be in the movie, and we don't know who he's playing. We just know it's going to be a cameo. And this this news sort of happened by accident because over the weekend in Australia during um, a big rugby game there, Chris Hemsworth and Taika Waititi were spotted at the game and... Uh, Chris Hemsworth went on Instagram and mentioned Russell Crowe saying, thank you. And as it turns out, Russell Crowe has like uh, his own private box in this, this stadium and he let them use it. And people started thinking like, does this mean Russell Crowe is in Thor Love and Thunder? And as it turns out, yes, he is because Deadline uh, was able to confirm it. Um, again, it's a cameo. Um, there's a good chance it's going to be part of if you remember in Thor uh, Ragnarok, there was a scene where at near the beginning where there are a bunch of 
uh, as guardian actors recreating moments from previous Thor movies. That's like one option that Russell Crowe is part of the the play scene, but he could be really in any scene for all we know. We don't know officially. He, he could be the thunder. In the he could. Of- he could be the love or the thunder. You don't know. We'll have to stay tuned to find out. Uh, okay, let's move on to some other casting that happened today. Lucasfilm announced the casting for the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV miniseries. And H.T., you wrote this up for the site. What, what did we learn? Yeah, Disney Plus and Lucasfilm announced the official cast for the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series, which is officially titled Obi-Wan Kenobi. And it confirms the... Uh, casting that we did know Ewan McGregor Hayden Christensen will be returning as well Joel Edgerton who played Uncle Owen uh briefly before he was famous and now is you know a full-fledged star now and can get whatever third billing uh and the rest of the cast include Moses Ingram Bonnie Peace Kumail Nanjiani Indira Varma Rupert Friend O'Shea Jackson Jr. Sung Kang Simone Kessel and Benny Safdie the latter wow. of which is the the co-director of um, films like Good Time and Uncut Gems. Yeah. And he also appears in some of those, too. Yes, not, he, he uh, acts just... in uh, Good Time. Yeah. Uh, you know, my first impression, and, and it, I love how Disney does this. They've released this casting with, like, a image that has, like, a square of all the headshots in a row. And my first impression looking at this, this square of headshots is, wow, this is a very diverse cast of of actors and actresses so that's that's cool and then my second impression here is wow there's some like very interesting choices here like kumil like uh benny uh i mean all these guys are very like i don't know it's not not people i would expect to be in a a star wars thing i don't know if that not that i would i mean Brad, am I crazy here? Like, is Kumil like weird casting for a Star Wars story? I mean, now that he is big buff Kumil Nanjiani, and and he'll, <laughs> he'll and he'll be in Marvel's The Eternals whenever we actually get to see it, I think that he's probably opened up the possibilities of uh, what he can be cast as now. So I, I I don't think so. I think I think now that um he's totally ripped, he he can fit in in Star Wars pretty well. Yeah. Uh, did we learn anything else about this production, HT? Yes, uh, production for Obi-Wan Kenobi starts in April. So uh, it's beginning to start filming soon. Uh, as we he- heard before, Deborah Chow, who directed episodes of The Mandalorian, of the Mandalorian will be directing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and uh, Joby Harold is writing. So yeah, that's uh, it's, it's going to start shooting soon. It's a special event series, as it's being described. Yeah, so that's uh, I I take that to mean a mini series or you know it's going to be one season only, and the press release says the story takes place ten years after the dramatic events of Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith, which I is is that around the same time Solo takes place? I think so. Yes, I yes I mm-hmm. roughly I think around the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious if Crimson Dawn is going to come into the mix here. I'm I'm curious what the story is at all because I don't understand. You know, Obi Wan Kenobi last time we we knew was just on Tatooine, like you know, watching Luke from afar and making sure you know no trouble comes to him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what 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 kind of adventure this whole thing brings. 
But uh, okay, let's let's talk about some news that hit over the weekend and made a lot of people angry. And that is Comic-Con has announced that they will be doing San Diego Comic-Con after all this year. Even though originally they said they were going virtual, they are going to do a physical Comic-Con. Brad, tell us about it. So it's not exactly San Diego Comic-Con as like we're envisioning it. It won't be as big as the summer event. And um, it's not even, you know, just being called full on San Diego Comic-Con. It's being called uh, Comic-Con Special Edition. And it's basically the people at Comic-Con International trying to make up for the fact that for two years in a row now, they haven't been able to have an in-person convention. Uh, they Last year, they went virtual, and this year, they've already announced that they'll be going virtual again since we're kind of on the cusp of coming out of this, but not really completely out of it since the vaccine's still being distributed, and it'll still take a little while before everyone starts to feel safe again. But they've... And yeah. so they, they've been... Wait, 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 wait. Before you say that, Brad, mm-hmm. because I was like running around this weekend when this news hit and i saw like our slack channel blow up and everybody was angry about this news and my first impression was like oh people must be angry that that you know they're doing an in-person convention later this year like when you know this you know the pandemic is not officially over yet you know vaccines are are going out there the cases are dropping dramatically but it's not over yet i was like people are mad because this like it seems like it could be over by november right but no that's not why people are mad (laughs) yeah so the reason that people are mad is because they decided to plan this fall event on thanksgiving weekend starting on black friday november 26th and going through november 28th the end of that weekend is when comic-con special edition is supposed to take place the worst travel weekend every (laughs) single year is when they decided to plan this event. And it's going to be the first time, probably, that the majority of Americans will be able to get back together with their families for a major holiday after this pandemic. So this is when they've decided to schedule Comic-Con Special Edition. And I, I'm i not sure who thought this was a good idea. Like, I understand Comic-Con International's desperation to recoup some of the costs that they have lost because they haven't been able to have these conventions. But this seems like the absolute worst time to try to pull this off because like, are you really expecting not just fans, but any talent whatsoever to skip out on a major holiday with their families to attend Comic-Con? Sure. Some of them might have it a little bit easier because they can fly in on a private jet funded by the studio and then get out just as easily and still enjoy the majority of the weekend with their family. But for anyone who wants to try to attend this for whatever reason, you know, you're talking about spending the whole weekend there and airline tickets being super expensive uh, it, it's just a nightmare. And then for, you know, to turn it on on people like us, uh, we're going to have to cover this bullshit that weekend. And I, I don't want to write about, you know, stuff happening at Comic-Con when I should be sitting at home in a coma from leftovers. Uh, it's just, it's not fun. This doesn't sound fun. This sounds like a chore in the worst way possible. And like, they could announce <laughs> like something that could be- and, my... and not just you, Brad, not just the writers that have to cover this, but like the artists that have to go there and sell their wares. Yeah. Which, and, and, I, and, mean, and I, might... I feel for them because they've missed out on all these conventions and they probably are- doing badly and they need to they need something like that's that. the thing is like people could easily say well they don't have to go and it's like no but like if you're if you choose to not go to something like this where there's going to be potentially a lot of people then you're missing out on a whole stream of revenue that you otherwise you know wouldn't get and so it's just it's a bad idea all, all around i hope that as time goes on the backlash is big enough that they realize that they are not going to get a good turnout for this event and they they just decide not to do it because it's 
it's a bad idea. It's a very bad idea. Just move it to another weekend. Apparently, apparently they can't. It says they, they released a statement recently after they heard some of the backlash and they said of the dates presented with the fewest restrictions Friday through Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend seem to be the best balance of available space in our envisioned event. Well, then don't have the fucking events. <sighs> Yes, go go fuck yourself, Comic Con. I'm sorry, but this idea stinks. <laughs> they could announce and they that... could announce like the biggest, coolest project that I would be so excited to see, like me personally, and I would just be like, no, fuck off. I don't want to deal with this. Uh, I have a story for you guys. It's a story of this great convention that I used to love. I used to live in San Francisco. It was called WonderCon, and it was amazing. It took place downtown in San Francisco. It was. It was just like a great convention and, you know, Pixar would be there every year, like doing a preview of their new film for the next year. And uh, Comic-Con owns WonderCon and they were like, you know, it wasn't as big of a draw as Comic-Con. They wanted it to be a bigger draw. And the way they see to do that is they wanted more Hollywood films and studio, you know, TV shows and celebrities to show up. So they decided to move it to to. Anaheim, California, right outside of Los Angeles. They're like, if we're right down the road from, you know, Hollywood, right next to Disneyland, uh, then we will be able to lure all these celebrities and studios. So they moved to Anaheim and they moved it to Easter weekend. Do, do you know how many studios show up for this event because it's on Easter weekend and how, how many celebrities refuse to to go to this thing? Like Almost nothing ever comes out of WonderCon. It's so I can't and, and Easter weekend, I feel like is not on the level of Thanksgiving weekend in terms of like family gatherings and stuff. Right. So I don't know. I just can't see that side of things being big. I don't see like they're, you know, Marvel showing up and making big announcements or anything like that. I'm guessing this is just going to be more of like a, a show where, you know, fans can come together as a community which which is a great thing it's something we haven't had and you know artists will be able to sell their wares and people will buy stuff that's all cool and all i don't know just have it a different weekend hd what what are your thoughts on this my thoughts are boo hiss (laughs) they should move it what a horrible 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 idea uh like bad and chris were saying like this is the first holiday that many americans will be able to actually gather together since the pandemic started and people are craving that uh like reunion with their families that they haven't seen for over a year now and it's just a horrible heartless thing to do really (laughs) <laughs> we're calling san diego comic-con heartless i honestly think that's accurate that's not like uh, exaggeration this is bullshit like not only i'm not even like on a personal level like i don't want to fucking work thanksgiving weekend but on top of that it's like the the talent which we already mentioned but then there are people who are gonna have to like work the conventions thing, like the people selling food and the people sweeping up and all this shit, like cleaning up after people and it's like this is needlessly cruel. Like, cause people who work those jobs, they can't be like, well, I'm just not going to work. Like they have no choice. It's, it's a shitty thing to put people in. Like you literally are going to have to choose between keeping your job and working Thanksgiving weekend. And that's needlessly cruel. And it's like, what, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you don't have to do this. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. There's no good excuse for this. There's no good explanation. There's no, 
appropriate way to do this and it's nonsense and the fact that they're they've already like doubled down on it just makes me even angrier like i i really thought like that instant backlash would have him be like whoa shit we fucked up but no they're being deliberately asshole-ish about this and i i'm sorry i just don't think that's right i don't and i don't think that's like you know it's not an exaggeration to be like this is a needlessly cruel decision I, I do want to play devil's advocate here. No, not just for <laughs> once, Peter. Just come no, on. No, 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 no. Well, first of all, Chris, I'm guessing because San Diego, the convention center, is one of the biggest convention centers in the country. I'm guessing if Comic-Con wasn't there that normally they would have a convention. Unlike in a normal year, they would have a convention during that weekend. Like they'd probably they probably have a convention that, every that, weekend, right? Isn't that kind of the whole point that they're saying, like, this is the one weekend we could book because no one else is using it? And Well, Yes. But I think that's probably because of the situation, right? Or I, I don't. I think it's because no one wants to work Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> okay. The okay. Only, that was my attempt. The, at, only, thing, uh, the only thing I can think is that maybe because this is such a huge event and Thanksgiving isn't like an international holiday, that maybe they're anticipating a lot of people traveling in from elsewhere to like come to the convention. But I, I don't know. My, my other devil's advocate that I'll throw out there is a lot of people don't get time off from their jobs they don't have the luxury of vacation time and but they do have thanksgiving off or they have that thanksgiving weekend off so maybe this gives those people a chance to go to comic-con i don't care (laughs) stay home you nerds jesus uh okay well we'll see how this sorts out i'm I'm very curious because i think i think comic-con is gonna have to change something they're either going to have to push this or I don't know. Like, where could you push this to, though? Like, What if they push it to Christmas? Then everyone get would get even angrier. <laughs> New Year's Eve. The New Year's Eve Comic-Con. Uh, hey, I mean, th- th- that'd be good, right? All I, all I know is if Just... it happens, every article we write is going to start with, this is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Uh, let's talk about Ben Affleck's unmade Batman movie. This is one of the... I don't know. There's so many movies that are announced that never happen. And this is one of those that I really wish could have happened because I love Ben Affleck as Batman. I love Ben Affleck as a director and every quote that he has given about his Batman film made it sound like it was going to be cool. It was going to be detective Batman. And I, I, I was really excited to see what it co- could have possibly been. And uh, we're learning more about this uh, and it, it sounds weirder. Uh, Chris, tell us about it. Right. So I'm right there with you, Peter. I actually really was interested in Ben Affleck's take on the Batman. And even though I think the the Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson one looks great, I, I do wish we could have at least gotten one of these movies, but we didn't. But um, we, we've known a, f- a little bit about it for some time. We've known that Joe Manganiello, who uh, pops up in both ju- the theatrical cut and the Snyder cut of Justice League as Deathstroke, was going to be the, the villain in the film. And now he um, gave a recent interview where he revealed that Batgirl was also going to be in the movie. He said, quote, there was like a big, huge showdown. Batgirl jumps in to try and help Bruce because Deathstroke is so fast that he can't anticipate Bruce's movements. And there was a huge fight in Gotham City where Batman is like, you know, completely afraid because he realizes he's met someone who can take him. Uh, And the quote goes on from there. but That's really all you need to know. And he didn't really specify how much more uh Batgirl would be in the movie like I, I'm I 
like doubting it was just like one scene, but now we know that, you know, the, that Batman movie was going to have more than just Batman in it. Does that seem weird to you? I guess it depends on how like big or small the role was going to be. Like if it literally was like out of nowhere, a Batgirl shows up to help Batman, then it'd be like, well, that's a little weird, but I'm guessing uh, Ben Affleck would have developed it a little bit more than that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. From I what mean, it I sounds guess it's like, uh, sorry to interrupt Peter, but from yeah. what it sounds like if Batgirl is involved and, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman is an older, more wizened Batman who's been around Gotham a couple times. My hope, in this alternate reality is that it would have been a bat family movie in some sense. So not only bat girl, but <laughs> other, other Robins, my boy, Nightwing, maybe who knows, but yeah, that's what it sounds like for me. Well, I think Robin was dead, right? Didn't we see his outfit? In... One of the Robins. One of the Robins. I mean, but there's like, there's the like Robins. 10 Robins yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Jason Todd's oh. the one who died. And then, you know, there's also Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, all my, all my bird boys. <laughs> It didn't seem like Batman was at the the point in his life that he was ready to to move past that and to, to, to trust trust again each day. But I don't know. Uh, I was gonna say that. Um, what was I gonna say? I completely forgot my sorry my, my train of thought. I mean, uh, it's worth pointing out that for a while now, Warner Brothers has been trying to develop a solo Batgirl movie and like Joss Whedon was going to direct it at some point. And then yeah. he left before all the bad stuff came out about him. And um, I believe Christina Hodson, who uh, wrote birds of prey is currently attached to write the script. So I'm guessing like this kind of would have like spun off that character. Like this would have introduced the character and then she would have yeah. gone off on her own adventure. But so much has changed in the DCEU since they were planning this. So who the hell knows how it's going to, pan out now i know what i was gonna say i was gonna say the dceu already has a history of introducing loads of characters who have not like had their own you know origin movies so so maybe it would have just felt as part of the mix i don't know but uh maybe someday that script will come out i'd like to read that script do we know who who wrote the script um, it, was, it was Affleck, right? It was Affleck and, and uh, Jeff Johns were, were handling the script. And then at some point, Affleck stepped away and he was still going to star in it. And then Matt Reeves was going to do some rewrites. And then Ben Affleck left entirely. But yeah, I would love to see. I don't know how many drafts they wrote. I'm guessing they wrote more than one draft because they were developing this for a while. So I would love to see like an, uh, at least one of the, the drafts Affleck wrote. Because I, I really like Ben Affleck as a filmmaker. I think he's he's pretty damn good at... Right. He's not like a great director, but he's an interesting director. And I would I would be curious to see what he was going to do with this material. Yeah. If, if, if anyone were to to send me the script, Ben Affleck and Jeff John's script to my email, uh, Peter at slash I wouldn't complain. I'm just saying just just putting it out there into the world. OK, let's move on. Let's talk about this new Transformers movie that's in the works. HD, tell us about it. Yeah, there's uh, another year, another Transformers movie. Uh, this uh, Paramount Pictures has started developing a new Transformers movie that will be directed by Angel Manuel Soto, which, who is the filmmaker behind last year's critically acclaimed teen drama Charm City Kings. This movie will be penned by Marco Ramirez, who was the showrunner of Netflix's Marvel series The Defenders. And uh, details are being kept under a lock and key, and it's being reportedly being developed apart from the universe of the mainline Transformers films that Paramount has been making since 2007, according to The Hollywood Reporter. So this 
the next installment in that saga, uh, which spans the five Michael Bay movies plus Travis Knight's Bumblebee prequel, is being directed by Creed II filmmaker Stephen Caple Jr. So this is unrelated somehow. Uh, yeah. We don't know how because there are no details yet. Didn't they say Bumblebee was unrelated and then in the end it turned it out that it was related because they had that like end scene or something? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, it was supposed to be a soft reboot of sorts, uh, but then they, I guess at the last minute, tied it into the Bay movies series. And that, I mean, in, in like the THR uh, article, it just kind of says that you know, the Bumblebee is part of that mainline series. So yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure how this mm. will be different i also don't know much about the hasbro transformers franchise in general so if there's something that could be done separately from the transformers decepticons great battle stuff then dinobots i don't know what that is i don't i don't know anything about it it was these dinosaurs that turned into no they already have dinobots and... in uh, oh. uh age, um, age of extinction is that the one i don't know a Beast Wars? Beast, Beast Wars is something I think that they might be working on uh, for for a, <laughs> for a new movie. I don't know if it's going to be linked to the old Transformers ones, but yeah, that, that's possible. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I can tell you this. I wasn't a fan of Netflix's Marvel uh, The Defenders series. I was really... I, I, I don't even think I made it to the end of it. That That's how much I didn't like it, but I, I have not seen Charm City Kings. Has anybody here seen Charm City Kings? Nope. No, okay. but uh, it seems that uh, Angel Manuel Soto is, you know, getting a lot of work in Hollywood lately. He's also uh, attached to direct Warner Brothers Latino led Blue Beetle movie. So it seems like he's kind of become that go to Latino movie director, uh, filmmaker yeah. to to do these big franchise spinoff or solo films. How does this read to you? Like, to me, it, it, it seems kind of like a Travis Knight kind of pick. It's like an up-and-coming director who needs a chance and will also <laughs> fall to the whims of the studio and whatever they need to do because they don't have the power. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about him as a director, but yeah, that's kind of how it reads to me, too. It's just, uh, they're, it's nice that they're giving a, a Latino a filmmaker a platform uh, yes. possibly to do what he wants and to play around with some big action figures. Um, I did actually, I don't care much for the Transformers movies or franchise at all, but I actually really liked the Bumblebee movie that Travis Knight directed. It felt very Amblin inspired. Travis Knight brought his animation experience to the movie that felt like it brought new energy to the blocking and the, the fights of that film. So that was like a nice refreshing thing. So if it's anything along the lines of Bumblebee, then maybe it'll be of interest. Yes. Well, speaking of refreshing a, fran a recent franchise, let's talk about the Suicide Squad. This is the new movie from James Gunn. The trailer came out over the weekend or was it Friday? It was, it was recently Friday and Friday. And uh, we, we have all seen the trailer. So uh, I wanted to go around around the table and find out what the reaction was to the trailer. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. First of all, uh, I, I love the James Gunn craziness. I love, you know, this huge King shark, this like shark creature that like walks like a man that's eating a human and tearing it apart. And uh, there's a guy with like light bulbs coming out of his bald head. And there's the starfish Kaiju and, I don't know. It just seems so crazy and has that great music that we know 
from James Gunn, and it just seems so nuts. And I I don't know what's going on with the color timing of this. Like, or is he trying to kind of keep it consistent with the the first Suicide Squad movie? I don't know. Uh, how does this fit into the continuity? I, I don't know. Does it even matter? I don't I, I don't know. I'm totally in, though. So, uh, HG, what did you think of this trailer? I was a big fan of this trailer. Um, I actually visited the set of The Suicide Squad a couple years ago. I can't talk much about it, but from what I saw there, I was really, really excited uh, about what James Gunn had in store for these characters. It felt like he embraced the over-the-top comic book absurdity of the Suicide Squad, of the characters of DC Comics in general. And this trailer really embodies that. I just, uh, I'm so excited about Polka Dot Man, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Capaldi's a thinker. Okay, I'm going to get my, my fangirlism out of the way. But yeah, I, <laughs> I'm, I think that the characters really pop. I think that the dynamics are just so much more fun and uh, exciting and like, colorful and vibrant joel kinnaman actually looks like a character this time instead of a the sort of nameless grunge that he felt like he played last time and uh, it just uh it's it just looks so wacky it looks so fun brad what did you think yeah fully on board for this uh as a huge fan of guardians of the galaxy i love that he's bringing uh some of that style to suicide squad but also being able to cut loose a little bit more because obviously when it comes to Guardians of the Galaxy it has to be a little more family friendly and uh, James Gunn definitely has a, uh, an edgier sense of humor. He can be a little twisted uh, as we've seen with some of his movies like Slither uh, and and whatnot. So allowing him to cut loose with a big uh, R-rated movie with a huge ensemble cast and uh, yeah, it's, I, I couldn't be more excited um, to see what he does with all these characters, especially since a lot of them are probably going to die. Yeah, and it's smart that they did a Red Band trailer because you, you really get to see that here. Chris, what did you think of the trailer? Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I, I love James Gunn. Uh, I think this looks a lot of fun. My only complaint, if I had one, would be I don't, and you kind of touched on this too, Peter, I don't understand why it, it looks so washed out. Like, one of my favorite things about James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy movies is they're so bright and vibrant and they really stand out amongst the rest of Marvel stuff, which often looks really gray and like the color of a Walmart parking lot. And it's weird to me that he would, you know, jump into the DC world and then immediately make something that looks so like washed out and colorless. I'm just hoping that's like, it's like shades of yellow and it's, it's just, yeah, I'm just yeah. not entirely sold on the visuals, but beyond that, everything looks really fun here I, I i love the king shark stuff i love that polka dot man seems like he's actually suicidal i think that's a nice twist to make someone in the suicide squad who actually is suicidal i think that's uh, that's as funny as you can make being suicidal be i guess so um uh yeah i'm really looking forward to this i'm i'm pretty excited for it brad on friday you did the trailer breakdown where you went through frame by frame and tried to analyze it did you find anything interesting? Uh, I mean, I did find that King Shark seems like the greatest new character in movies uh, <laughs> that we'll probably see for probably for the entire decade, maybe even the century. Uh, he, I mean, it, it might be a little too early to make that claim, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. He is he he tears a man in half, and James Gunn even said that uh, <laughs> that was a practical effect. They didn't actually tear a person in half, but they created. A, a practical effect that they actually use real blood and gore uh, for that cool shot where he's ripping apart a person. So 
that's that's a big thing we learned. Um, no, one uh, thing to note is because uh, you can you can only slightly see what's happening, but uh, when Steve Agee uh, shouts about seeing uh, a kaiju on the monitor. Uh, that kaiju is a very specific uh, DC Comics character. Uh, it's a giant starfish named Starro, uh, which is this big alien be- being that has the uh, ability to adapt to any environment. It can produce parasite clones of itself. It absorbs the energy of a planet and all of its life forms. Super strong, mostly invulnerable. It can regenerate, control minds through its parasite clones. Uh, so we're not sure what it's doing uh, in Corto Maltese, which is where this Suicide Squad mission takes place. Uh, but it's it's very interesting to see a character like this appear in a big, uh, you know, DC Comics movie because it's it kind of an obscure villain, definitely a weird one, but totally right in line with uh, what James Gunn likes to do with his comic book movies. So it should be pretty cool. Yeah, it looks like something out of like SpongeBob SquarePants or something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh no, seems so weird. Uh, anyway, also Ben did this article today uh, because James Gunn commented they changed uh, how King Shark looks. Uh, do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So usually when uh, King Shark appears in DC Comics, uh, he's been designed as a hammerhead shark character, um, and hammerhead sharks have eyes that go out the side. You know. Uh, like a hammer, you know, as far as the, sh- the shape of a hammer head. Um, and James Gunn said that when they did early tests for King Shark, they actually tried that out, but they found that it was rather difficult to make it appear as if King Shark was looking or addressing a certain character because of how the eyes jut out to the side. And the shape of the head also made it kind of difficult for framing shots because it made them have to go wider uh, when they didn't want to. So they opted to go with the this much smaller head, which actually works a lot better when you see just how how beefy and chonky uh, King Shark is. The little head works a lot better than the, the hammer head. So there you go. Okay. And that does it for today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. That's also where you can send your, your Jeff Johns, Ben Affleck, uh, Batman scripts too. I'm just saying, uh, please write and read this podcast on iTunes, tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.